0: Thank you. RPC Sermons Podcast. Today's episode is a special episode from our Facebook Live series entitled Closing the Distance. These are unscripted conversations with the pastors of RPC and various special guests reflecting on topics from our ongoing sermon series. If you're interested in learning more about this community of faith, visit roswellprez.org.
1: Welcome to Closing the Distance. I'm Lindsay Slocum. I'm one of the pastors at Russell Presbyterian Church, and I have the privilege and opportunity of interviewing Jeff today, Jeff Myers, our senior pastor. Um, Jeff preached an awesome sermon yesterday, uh, closing our uh, our sermon series on family meeting uh, called Second Chances, and uh, and reminded us all that we have a second chance for uh, to make our our financial commitment for 2023 but we'll circle back to that in a little while Jeff yesterday was a fantastic sermon thank you so much for that
0: well thanks Lindsay I uh you know every week I uh, it's always you're really not sure if people are going to feel it like you do or I was I was not very confident yesterday and you know I do the preaching team every Thursday and they had a um they were I ask them to be very critical um, because I I need to get out of my own head and see Mm -hmm. what other people think about a text, a topic from a different perspective. And I actually had about a whole section at the end that was going to kind of go off on Paul's talking about singing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs uh, to the glory of God. And uh, that verse, I love that verse. And um, they were like, yeah, that doesn't really make sense, Jeff. And I was like, <laughs> great. So Saturday morning, I, 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 I control all, you know, uh, copied it, cut it from yeah. a different document and just uh, went with it where it was. And I think it was a good decision. I try, I don't know about you. I try to overwrite as I've gotten older and have preached more. I try to overwrite and then to cut and revise down. Rather than mm-hmm. under, I think when I was younger, I would underwrite and then try to expand. And that was just really tough. And, um, and, you know, I think it's probably easier for somebody like the, a, a preaching pastor who's preaching every week, because I know, well, heck, I got, you know, next month, I got four sermons. I got to write, right. you know, right. again. Uh, whereas uh, other folks, I think uh, probably want to use all their stuff when they get the opportunity.
1: Yes. Yes. I, uh, yes. I very rarely will like cut out whole chunks of content because I worked hard to find that content. <laughs> so I keep it in, but I do go back. Um, I'm trying to kind of build my discipline of going back and tightening things so that that I do that editing, but um, you know, you just mentioned something and I thought, I bet people don't know about this. And th- I think this is such a awesome thing that you do and an important discipline tell people what preaching team is because I think that's so fantastic
0: yeah so really I would heard of a couple I know great preachers that um, had done this in congregations they were at one uh, memorial drive with, uh, in Houston with Dave Peterson um, I think I've heard of several other folks um, doing something like this but he, he would take his administrative staff and he would preach the sermon to them. and it was not like getting up in a pulpit but like the way I do is I sit in a room in a classroom and there's probably half a dozen of our ministry assistants there and they happen to be all women. And I kind of talk through the sermon um, and deliver it, but I don't, I don't try to be too funny or too emotional. I want it to be the content. Mm-hmm. And then I ask them to give me feedback. And I started doing this when I first arrived in Roswell, you know, I was really worried because I'd been at a church for almost 11 years. And it was this very particular context. And I I hadn't been really outside of that preaching very often, and so coming to Roswell, I was really worried. Like I knew that you never get a second chance to make a first impression, and so I felt like I really needed to hit the nail on the head, especially those first few months um, as I introduced myself to the congregation. People got to know me, I, I get to know them, and so it's really helpful for them to give me feedback. And now you know we had this level of trust with the team, mm-hmm. and it, I mean, again, they're all women many of them, some of them are older, some of them are younger than me, some of them, um, you know, have interests very different than me, they listen to different music, watch different movies, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they shop for different things, Uh, you know, they drive different cars, they go vacation in different places, Uh, they have different ways of living in the world, and so, and I wanted to be representative of the congregation at RPC, and so I try to figure out how can we speak into the diverse circumstances that the word must be proclaimed and it must touch the ground, um, you know, in different places. So I try to do as as much work as I can to try to, um, and I'm not trying to, um, condescend or something, but I'm like, I just want it to be relevant to folks. And I think of it kind of like if I was going to, um, you know, I was going to go do ministry in Zambia. You know, it would be on me to go. What What do the Zambian people like? What do they eat? Sure. What What do right. they wear? What, I understand the context. What, what yeah. misconceptions do I have? Uh, presuppositions, you know, and so and I treat that kind of the same way as preaching. Like, how do I get into pe- various people's worlds? Because now that I have young kids, I realize, like, you know, for ten years I was preaching and I had no idea. And now I'm like, <sighs> I'm like, no wonder parents are like, yeah, Jeff, your, your service just really aren't landing with us. Cause we're living a total different life. Give yeah. me something about being a young parent or I right. think our, our retired folks, people living in, um, you know, in the last third of life, you know, we have to, that, those are different kinds of cares and concerns. And so we've got to think through that. And I, I think uh, doing that makes us better communicators.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I, I know it's been such a gift to that group too. And you know the cool thing is too because it's staff people um admins and other people that aren't necessarily connected to the directly to the actual program it means some of them you've got people in there that don't really attend church very often people who attend a very different type of church than roswell prez so it's just a it's a great group that you have in there and i um and i know that they appreciate that time with you and that uh that they get to be part of that process with you so yeah. It's, well, fantastic. it's
0: really fun. It's really fun. And they're, and honestly, like one of the things I asked them was like, what the people you're working with, I mean, they work with a ton more people on the ground kind of than I yes.
1: do.
0: Um, yes. Yes. You, know, you think about six people all, you know, they have their volunteers. They're calling, uh, you know, our youth staff's calling youth families and the kids. And Okay. What, what's out there in the world? What do I not know that's going on that people care about? They're worried about, they're anxious about what, yeah. where does the yeah. God, the good news, the gospel need to be spoken, where does a word need to be uh, heard, and so that's really helpful too.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so thank you for sharing that. I wanted to, there's a couple of things from your sermon that I wanted to really highlight, again, such a good sermon, and um, so many just really important things in there, but really hard, like thinking about how to apply them to our lives, but just really, beautiful, a beautiful passage. I think that's one of my favorite passages. It's so beautiful. It says so many really important things. And I loved, I had never, um, I don't know, kind of heard this before, but the idea of that when you talked about the indicative preceding the imperative mm-hmm. and, um, and so we, you were talking about then the indicatives of being chosen, holy, and beloved, that, that we, there's th- three things that are true about who we are as people of God and I thought, oh, they're just such beautiful words, chosen, holy, and beloved, and I was thinking about how personal those words were, and how intimate they were, and so I wondered in your own, where you are, where Jeff Myers is, in his own life and faith journey right now, which of those three in particular would you feel like you're really connecting with right now, the idea of being chosen, holy, or beloved?
0: That's a great question. I would say either chosen or beloved. i I've never felt too particularly holy and I, i've always you know when I say you know we rely on god's uh, uh calling us holy and making us holy not our own moral uh you know effort or striving I, that's really true for me um i you know I grew up i think it's fair to say you know in in the, sometimes dealing with the shame culture and guilt mm-hmm. and that was something I really had to wrestle with um you know and honestly going to therapy talking to uh, thinking doing the hard theological work of how shame and guilt works with grace and the good news and so uh, I would not say holy but I think um uh, I think chosen I think I, that's a key uh, kind of concept for me in my life like I, I'm chosen for this moment for this place for this time mm-hmm. for these people what am I what am I being chosen to do whether mm-hmm. it's preaching a word whether it's being with somebody in a hospital room um, if it's you know uh working with kids if it's if it's parenting you know my kid waking me up at you know two a m um you know and I do not want to be present emotionally or <laughs> or or physically for that matter to my child so I think seeing myself as chosen has been really really helpful way to think about my life um, yeah. yeah how about you, Lindsay?
1: Thanks for sharing that. I um I well I wasn't going to say chosen but I really like the way you said that. <laughs> it makes me want to say it too cuz I think that's really um powerful and and I like how you linked it to kind of call and and what it is. Again with that indicative proceeding the imperative just that that call what it how chosen is really directly linked toward what you're being asked to do. But I I think at this point in my life um I'm really connecting with the word beloved I I am constantly feeling so just honored and humbled with the way people are loving me and caring for me and supporting me and and kind of the things that God continues to put in my path and um so that I I continue to kind of connect with that one in this community uh, Roswell Presbyterian Church as a family I think does that really beautifully I see I get to we actually this morning in um our staff meeting we were talking about how we get to witness that so often between our church members and um and I I am just honored and humbled I get to be a recipient of that as
0: well. So absolutely. Yeah. Cool.
1: Um and I I you did a really beautiful job saying this, but I just don't feel like we can say this enough. So I just want to circle back and talk about again yesterday you kept talking about the word forbearance. Forbearance. Yeah, forbearance, which I haven't heard it conjugated before. And so um I was like giggling at myself, trying to keep up with how you were conjugating it just because I had never heard the sentence we need to forbear with somebody. And then now we get all tickled <laughs> at the word forbear, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway.
0: Well, well, I was just going to say one of the reasons I like to highlight well, I wanted to highlight that word, forbearance, is because I think the fact that we don't use it anymore very commonly in our culture and in our world speaks to the kind of culture we live in now. And yes. we are, we are missing something very important about relationships, about community, about the goodness, of the public good, um, getting outside of it's 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 we, not just me, um, that inhabits this world. And I think our loss of language oftentimes is um, indicates a loss of culture and a loss of meaning. And I and I just think like if we can be the kind of people that say, oh. Thanks for forbearing with me. You know, yes. like, Then yes. you're like, oh, yeah. It speaks to a certain goodness um, in human relationships that we rely on and need. So that's, um, and you know, yes. And for so, so usually, so okay. So a secular virtue, okay. So forbearance is the theological virtue. I would say mm-hmm. you know? mm-hmm. the secular version, so dis- disconnected from God, is what we call tolerance. Mm -hmm. Tolerance is very different than forbearance.
1: Yes, yes, this is exactly. Yes, thank you. See, we are so connected because this is exactly what I wanted. I wanted you to talk about because I feel like we are figuring out. Everybody keeps talking about like tolerating and tolerating, but really walking alongside of people and being in community and and with with people that disagree with you. It's we are not being asked to tolerate them. Yes, that's okay. You can keep going because that's so good. This is so good.
0: Yeah, and so I mean in. And so, like, probably the most famous or earliest expression of tolerance was John Locke's uh, letter concerning toleration that was written in response to the religious wars in Europe, some of the bloodiest wars Mm -hmm. that happened until, like, World War I, World War II. Okay. He's asking, people were using religion as justification to murder, torture, maim, I mean, just do horrible things to one another. And Locke Mm -hmm. is saying, you got to learn to tolerate each other. Okay. Mm. Well. And that was used, in a sense, for the public good. But one of the things I think is if we forget, I think we need to tolerate each other. But as Christians who believe in the God of Scripture revealed culminating in Jesus Christ, then, then we move into forbearance. Because okay? forbearance is theologically grounded in what God does for the people of Israel in the Old Testament and for creation. And in the New Testament, what Christ does for us. And God continues to do for us today. Okay. God forbears with us. And therefore, that's the indicative. And then the imperative is now I am called to forbear with one another. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: But I think it's helpful for people because we t- hear a lot about tolerance. And so we think that's all we're called to. And I've always wanted to write a book called More Than Tolerance, because I think Christians need tolerance is the minimum. It's, the, it's yes. the floor. What we're called to is the ceiling of forbearance to get over. Yes. You know, that's our goal is to learn to forbear with one another, which is really challenging. um, But I think really important.
1: Yes. Yes. So good. So good. That's yes. That's exactly what I wanted us to think about and talk about, because I I think that we are. Yes. So focused on just figuring out how to tolerate one another. And I think that there's so much more to appreciating other people and, and journeying alongside of them or living in community with them. And um. Yeah, that's so good, thank you, thank you. And I love, love, love the quote. I um, You might be surprised to know that I was unfamiliar with Michael Jordan's um, acceptance speech for the Hall of Fame. So I, I didn't know that he wanted to go through and kind of stick it to all the people he felt like stood in his way. You can totally see where it'd be tempting to do that, of course, but what a great quote when or the reference that you made um, I think these were your words when you were talking about how this this man who was so great looked so small because because um, he because of how he chose to respond to all of these people in this really great moment.
0: Yeah, I, if people are interested in following that kind of um, story up, uh, Wright Thompson, who's one of the uh, senior writers for ESPN, um, he's got a book called Cost of These Dreams. And one of the chapters in there is um, an article he wrote about Jordan. And, um, and it's kind of cool because the co- cost of these dreams is a uh, reference to a Drive-By Truckers song, Drive-By Truckers from Athens, Georgia, really famous Southern rock and roll band. But mm-hmm. it's this concept that Wright talks about that the very thing, the very thing, the skill, the gift that allows you to achieve something prevents you from enjoying that achievement. Mm. So Jordan's competitiveness was so strong and fueled him so much, allowed him to achieve great things. But because it wasn't properly tempered, what I would say by other virtues and other gifts and habits and ways of being, he wasn't able to enjoy it mm. and everybody could witness it. And it just, mm-hmm. it was just kind of sad. And I think he's, I think he's coming to see the light since then, because I think he probably went went under uh, enough criticism that maybe <sighs> he woke up but i just it's always stuck out to me because jordan was such a like a, a role model of you know an athlete for me um growing up but uh you know it does you no good if the thing that makes you great prevents you from enjoying uh where you get with that
1: yeah 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 because that could have been such a beautiful moment for him and he was yeah but i but i thought your point there was just really well made and then when you were talking about it's hard to um hate the people that you're busy thanking god for or that i thought that was really really well done so thank you for that uh, tell me a little bit it it was such a good sermon and i loved it and it was so full of just like um important things for us to really be striving for and working on and especially when we're talking about family meeting and what it looks like to be connected as a family but what's interesting is um you know a lot of this sermon the goal of this sermon was to talk about the practical matters and to talk about you know the importance of committing to generous financial commitment and the ministry of Roswell Presbyterian Church so talk about a little bit about how you um how you kind of envisioned this sermon kind of fitting in in our generosity season and and what your train of thought was as you were putting together the this sermon at the end of your series
0: yeah yeah and i i mean honestly when i was kind of laying it out i was like we're a family of and i was like well we did our commitment sunday last sunday and then I was kind of like, it'd be kind of cheeky to like a, a family of second chances. And then just coincidentally, if you missed uh, getting your commitment in last <laughs> week, you can do, you have a second chance this Sunday. And I thought that was kind of funny uh, as initially as I thought about it. But then as I looked at the text, I began to say, you know, we really are a community of second chances. If we think mm-hmm. of second chances as a place of grace, um, we know we're going to fail. We're going we're gonna to wrong each other. And we've got to be people that are ready to forgive and to show grace um, and so I, I, at one point, uh, you know, it was kind of being funny, uh, and humorous, hopefully a little bit with kind of the financial piece, but also then getting to the heart of the matter that it goes much deeper, that we are mm-hmm. a people that grant second chances um, to one another, because again, theologically grounded, God has done that for us.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I do want to just kind of hit on some of those practical family meeting things, um, especially since this is our last sermon in the series and um, hopefully within the next month or so we're going to take all of these commitments that people are making and put together a budget for session to approve and and to get excited about the ministry we're going to be doing in 2023. So I'm sure you don't have it in front of you and that's totally fine but just kind of in round numbers can you give us an idea of what is the annual budget that's the total annual budget for
0: Roswell Presbyterian Church? So yeah. Okay. So it's, it's kind of complicated, but total, it's about four and a half million dollars okay, that uh, we bring in and that we spend on ministry. Okay. Now that includes, you know, we have a preschool that, uh, I mean, there's a lot of financial, both revenue and expenses that are happening there. Um, that's, you know, a lot of our expenses is personnel. It's the people, mm-hmm. um, the people make a difference. Pe- you know, if we, if we didn't have the people, the building would do us no good right so our we're always reminding folks that our ministry is people but the the physical plant allows us uh you know a place to have offices a place to meet you know all where the people are going to do the ministry and kind of the hub of the wheel of um of ministry so we have about i think like 4.4 million in total operating revenue and then um and about 10% of that is, um, is our mission budget. And that goes, that money, those monies go straight out the door um, to our mission partners, both locally and globally. Okay.
1: And that 10%, the mission 10%, that doesn't include mission staff, correct? That's money we are right. literally sending out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Out the yeah. Door. And so we yep. allow people to give two pledges, one to the ministry and operating budget, and then one to mission. And that. Those pledges to mission go straight out the door, um, but again, you know, this is these are kind of arbitrary distinctions because really, I, I hope I hope our accounting, uh, you know, the financial bud, budget office, I hope they find they see themselves as part of God's mission here at RPC, that they're no less them doing debits and credits and like keeping track of the finances and meeting and making sure uh, the building is taken care of. I hope they find that those administrative things are no less spiritual than me doing, or you doing pastoral care with somebody, you know, because sure. we can't do that without their work. And so it takes a real team effort, uh, to all come together and do that ministry.
1: Well, and two, you know, paying the electric bill doesn't sound like super hardcore mission, except for the fact that, you know, we have family promise who spends the night here, um, for a week at a time, every time they come. And so the, you know, turning on the lights that we're literally providing home for people and um or when the drake house has their meetings here or whatever so so you're right that there might be a 10 percent that we're calling mission but there's so much mission and ministry that's in that other 90 percent too
0: it's, women, you one can women. say it's all yeah that that, that mission yeah. part is going out the door to our mission partners yeah. but yeah. you know and i think actually you highlight something we've tried to really um make a focused effort is to use like how can we use our physical space the church building as a tool for ministry you know mm-hmm. your church uh, your nonprofit board wants to meet here yes family promise yes i mean they they designed the building to have showers and um uh, you know places for these people to, to stay uh, with that purpose in mind that this isn't just for us but it's to be hospitable to minister to people, uh, who are in need and how can we best do that? And so we've really tried to do that. Um, and I, I mean, I think in your sermon a couple of weeks ago, you highlighted like how, how many hours did you say this, the church is used for outside groups?
1: Well, that week alone, it was almost 40 hours. And it wasn't a family promise week. So on a, I mean, a family promise week, that would almost double. And, and so that's 40 hours. In addition to, you know, the work that the, the, the RPC programming that the staff is working on and stuff. It, it's,
0: yeah.
1: and it doesn't include, you know, a group that might rent Alderman Hall to have their banquet or something like that. It's just ministry uh, mission use of the building. So it's really, yeah. it's impressive. It's awesome. That four and a half million dollars is that, so are we trying to raise four and a half million dollars in pledges and financial commitments from the congregation?
0: Yes, but that's not uh, <laughs> that. That's not how we're going to come up with it. Most likely, okay. So, like, that's let's true. We,
1: we'd be happy to raise ten million dollars yeah. in pledges.
0: Yeah, keep adding zeros to those checks. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's right. Let's um, do it, and
0: we will make good use of them. But that's well, right. Let, let, let's use twenty twenty one as an example. So we raised about two point five million dollars in pledges. Okay. Now during the pandemic, one of the things we saw is people, not to a great extent, but we did see a decrease in pledge amounts. And um, or we saw actually pledge amounts stay the same, but we have what's called unpledged giving. So these are people that maybe don't pledge, maybe they um they work on commission, they don't know what they're gonna make uh in the upcoming year, or maybe they're new to the church and they didn't pledge um last year, or or um they're, they come to church and they throw $20 in the offering plate, okay? This is a category called unpledged giving. And during the pandemic, we saw that go way down because people weren't in the pews to just throw, you know, uh, $20 in the, um, in the offering basket. Now, what we've seen is that number has gone up dramatically, okay? So you have pledged giving. We're trying to get 2.5, roughly $2.5 million in pledges. But then we also have this unpledged giving that we also want to increase, but it's a little more difficult to figure out um, what it will be. So I pulled up right now, our uh, non-pledged receipts are $355,000. Okay, so that's significant. Um, okay. At this time last year, it was $257,000. So we're about $100,000 above. Well, that's good because our pledge giving was down. Okay, Mm -hmm. we we anticipated that there were people out there who were planning to give, but they just didn't know what they were going to give and be able to because of jobs, et cetera, et cetera. So we've seen that strong, uh, strong place. But then outside of that, we we take up money for the hunger fund. We do Sunday school offerings. We do um, we have bequests. We have uh, a golf tournament. I think they raised, you know, forty thousand dollars this year. We do children's fund donations coming up we have all this stuff. We have wedding fees. We have um, people who use uh, for PMO. We have um, some interest income from endowments that goes into the operating budget. Mm -hmm. Um, So it it makes up the difference between that 2.5 and the, let's say 4.4 operating budget. So we've got to make up almost $2 million, which we do in various ways. Um, And a lot of times those are in and out accounts. So it means Um, So we have a budget. Let's say that we're going to take 15 people to Guatemala. Let's Mm -hmm. say 20 people to Guatemala, and it's going to cost $2,000 a person, so $40,000. Well, they're going to bring in $40,000, and then we're going to spend $40,000 on that mission trip. Now, let's say we have to cancel, like we had to in 2020, let's say we have to cancel that mission trip. Well, then that revenue goes away, but the expenses go away as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that $2 million we need to raise is a little tricky because sometimes if plans don't occur, like we plan, you know, we're budgeting a year in advance. So sometimes we can't predict the future. Those in and out accounts, we call them, um, the expenses won't be there, but the revenue won't be there as well.
1: Yeah, right, right, right. Okay, that's really, really helpful. It, so, when people, as they're hearing this and they've heard all of your inspiring sermons, and they're ready to make a financial commitment to 2023, how do people go about making that commitment?
0: The easiest way is to go to. This is how I did it. Go to Roswellpress.org. Remember, press is one S. Roswellpress.org forward slash give G-I-V-E, and you can go there. Um, and you can make your commitment, your financial commitment um, to the mission operating budget. Um, and then uh, and then that goes in and that'll go into our records and we'll have it. And I want folks to know, I've gotten a couple of emails from folks that are going through, uh, you know, they've had job layoffs or they're struggling with uh, some of the costs in their family, in their personal life. That's okay. You know, of we course. realize this is a family of faith. And as I, I try to always say, no one person needs to do everything. But Mm -hmm. we all need to do something, Mm -hmm. and so my my goal is to get everybody to at least give something, to commit to give, and by doing that, we know that people are supporting the ministry and mission. Now, some of us are going to be able to give more, and some of us will have to give less, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And and we understand that that's just age, stage, life uh, situation. Right. But discern what God has, uh, how God has blessed you, and how you can use that blessing to bless others.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. And when we think about the ministry of 2023, what is Jeff Myers excited about for Roswell Press's ministry in 2023?
0: Well, I'm really excited about several things. I'm excited. Uh, we're beginning our uh, strategic planning uh, for the next five years. So we'll lay out kind of five years of what we want to look like. I think we're really going to expand how we're ministering to our virtual congregation. How can we connect people beyond just online worship, but cre- creating a real, real community? Uh, For folks who might not be able to be here, whether it's because of health, maybe it's because of where their location. So that's one thing I think we can really grow in being a teaching church, how can we, you know, discern young leaders gifts, and then help them uh, utilize and grow in those gifts and hear God's call to the next step in their ministry. Um, and we also want to do some stuff where we're partnering with some of our uh, local African American congregations or predominantly African American congregations. Mm-hmm. We've just, I've got really great relationships. I know you do and, and some of the other staff, but how can we bring our RPC family, uh, to meet folks that, uh, you know, worship, you know, less than a mile away, but, yep. uh, often inhabit two different worlds. And so how can we learn uh, for one another and learn to forbear with each other? Uh, yeah that's that's one of my uh uh, prayers that we're going to be able to do in 2023
1: oh good I'm looking forward to it I'm excited and 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 I think I think the church in a big way not just the Rosal Presbyterian church but the church in general I think is just in a really exciting place as people um figure out what it looks like to be the church of Jesus Christ these days and to do the work that God's called us to do in this kind of place where we are now and I, I think we're I think there's some really exciting stuff ahead of us. And just, I mean, just like you're speaking to, so I'm excited to get to be a part of that. And I um, and want a great family to serve with as the Roswell Presbyterian Church. So I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. I'm also looking forward to, shameless plug, I'm looking forward to the first round of the high school football playoffs this Friday. Roswell uh, High School takes on Lanier High School. So go Hornets.
0: <laughs> yeah, do we have any Lanier f- fans in our congregation? I just gotta be no, careful. I don't offend no. it. But-
1: I don't think so because it's in, I think it's in Gwinnett. I think it's like in Sugar Hill or something. So okay.
0: so we're good I don't it. Know. Go Roswell. Go Hornets. But
1: if you're listening and you're a Lanier fan, we will for forbear with you. And we just won't cheer
0: for you on Friday night. <laughs> that's right.
1: <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's awesome.
0: What time is the game?
1: Uh, that's a great I'm assuming 730, but it's somewhere in the, the neighborhood. And it's at Roswell. So that's
0: be exciting. exciting. That's exciting. Yeah. So go yeah.
1: Shameless plug there from me, but I appreciate our conversation today, Jeff. It's always good to talk to you. And um, what are we going to do next Sunday? We're starting a new sermon series.
0: No, uh, we're going to have two kind of one-offs. So I'm going to preach an annual sermon I've done, I think the last few years called come before winter. And it's um, it's a sermon about kind of a, an off the beaten path uh, text from the apostle Paul. Where he's asking one of his friends uh, to come quickly, and I think it's this call for urgency, uh, for ministry, or for whatever God might be calling us to. And so I was like, it's kind of a fun uh, sermon, and uh, for a bunch of different reasons. So I look forward to it. And then the following week, um, Reverend Kerry Weatherford is going to be preaching on Christ the King Sunday, and and then um, and then we'll be Advent as we prepare uh, and we wait for the coming uh, of Christmas and. Wow. We go through that time. And we're going to look at um, the Magnificat, which is also known as Mary's Song. So we'll do four Sundays on that, which I'm, I've never done before. I haven't actually thought much about it. So I'm really looking forward to it as this beautiful song that Mary sings uh, when she's been given some news that maybe uh, m- might not <laughs> make someone want to sing. Uh, and she connects yeah. with the, to the Old Testament. So I'm looking forward to it.
1: Well, you know, it just occurred to me because um, the Magnificat is in Luke. And um, the Wednesday morning women's study is studying Luke. Your Tuesday study is studying Luke. Randy's study is studying Luke. So several of our Bible studies have been reading that passage and studying. So that that's cool. I like how that lined up. I didn't even realize that before. Now
0: that's cool. Yeah, it could be cool. So I'm going to say it's just a a coincidence. Just
1: (laughs) okay. Good. Well, thank you so much. I've enjoyed our conversation. I hope you have a good week.
0: Thanks, Liz. You too. See you soon.
1: Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.